We have over 420 episodes of this show. Every one of them is just as relevant today as it was the day it was published. Let's bring back some of those important moments. Let's put them all together in one episode. All right, let's F and go. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. This is a monumental task. In 2021, we conducted 41 different sports industry interviews. Names you've heard of, like Jason LaConfora and Scott O'Neill. Names you will really start to know in the coming years, like Sean Deloney, Felicia Douglas, and Evan Parker. Sports entrepreneurs like James Sackville, Zach Moritas, Ishveen Anand, Nigel Eccles, and Jack Suttleman. Marketers, content creators, sales leaders, talent acquisition managers. If you have a dream to work in sports, we have outlined and discussed that career journey. And when we set out to say, let's bring out some of these best moments, unfortunately, we had to leave a lot of great, impactful advice and moments on the editing room floor, or else this episode would have been longer than the Peter Jackson Beatles documentary. It's eight hours long, in case you didn't hear. I haven't watched it. Let's start out a little in your face. At the time of our interview this year, Scott O'Neill was the CEO of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, the ownership group of the Sixers and Devils, a big hitter in our industry. And for as authentic and open-hearted as Scott is, you have to bring your all with him or he will eat you up. There is no fake it till you make it. There is no winging it. You better be prepared, be ready, or things will go sideways quick. He has high expectations of himself and his staff. Consider yourself on notice because Scott isn't alone. We have these round tables where I meet with two or three groups of 10 people a week. And it's just an hour and it's, hey, let's talk about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. And uh, this young man asked me a question. I thought it was, you know, it's great. And so he said, well, like, do you believe in promoting from within? I was like, absolutely, of course. He said, well, why did you post this job? I, of course, I didn't know what job it was. You know, no idea. You know, so I started asking him questions. He said, well, it's for this X job. And I said, okay, well, what are you doing to go get this job? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, have you, have you gone to the hiring manager and told her you're interested? No, I haven't. I said, okay, all right. Um, have you written up a plan for, for the group? Like what you would do if you had that job? No, I, no, I haven't done that. Okay, do you have any ideas on how you would structure this group if it were yours? Well, I have them. I was like, can you put them on paper? I, I haven't yet, but I, that's a probably a good idea. I said, okay, have you thought about the hiring manager and who might influence that hiring manager? No. So you haven't talked to anybody who even influences the hiring manager? No. I said, okay, at some point, you have to be accountable for your career. I love this young generation of talent. Love, 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 love. I've never mm-hmm. had more fun than working with millennials and Gen Zers. Um, I think I'm one at heart. I'm certainly not one by age. But by heart, <laughs> you and me I both. Am. Yeah, <laughs> but I love them. I, I love how hard they work. I love how ambitious yeah. they are. I love how connected and smart they are. I love how creative brands yep. and creative and yep. you know it's just you know and the world comes very naturally. And there's a there's a social contract they have. They effectively are, are asking you. I'll give that, and for that, I want to believe in something better than the mundane job I have. So, yeah. what are you really about, Mr. CEO? What are you about? They want to know, like Mr. Big Time CEO. Okay, buddy. Can I email you? Will you email me back? Are we good? Mm-hmm. What's the budget look like? 
Like, how transparent <laughs> are you willing to be? You know, and but yeah. that's the contract. And I love that contract. Uh, I, I, you know, I even love that they want to be promoted every other week. I, I'm, I'm okay with that because that's how I was when I was young. For, for me, that has stretched me as an executive just to figure out, okay, what does communication look like? Because it used to be, hey, you can get your direct reports in a room a couple days a week, which I do, and then they'll get to their direct reports and they'll get, that's not how it works yeah. anymore. No. Like there's all these kind of social networks and we, we have to be very, very, very much more engaged and present throughout the organization or our turnover will jump through the moon. Scott's book, Be Where Your Feet Are, is an incredible read and adds a lot of life perspective, finding purpose, being present. It's pretty inspiring stuff that you should really check out. I have read it. And you think of this high-performing CEO type, and he brings it down to a very personal level that has a great impact and feel to it. So you should really check it out. Mike Nelligan is another high-profile guest from this year. As CMO of Vayner Sports, he is the leading force behind Gary Vaynerchuk's sports empire. And he is no BS, another real straight shooter. Mike doesn't want to hear your fluffy, cliched conjecture. He wants to hear your plan and how you can impact his work environment for the better. Being a resource is what I look for. And so... I don't care that you want to mop the floors. I don't need you to. I, I don't need you to clean the toilets. Someone already does that. I mean, do you want to come to my house and clean my house? Sure, that'll get my attention. <laughs> we can have that conversation. But you don't have to clean, like, what, what are you talking about? You're going to mop the floor. I don't understand this joke of I'm going to mop the floors. That does nothing for me. But hey, Mike, I noticed you represent so-and-so. I noticed there's a gap in his portfolio of endorsements that he doesn't have a beverage. So you guys listening, provide value. Be a resource. And, oh, well, you don't know that he doesn't have a beverage. That's okay. I really appreciate the people. I had a guy reach out and said, I understand the economics don't make sense, but, you know, I'm a rugby player. And this is why Sports should be looking at rugby. Mm -hmm. I don't, I've never spent one second thinking about or watching rugby. And I I read his email and I spoke to him and we're not going to proceed, but it was the right approach because he brought value as opposed to, hey, you guys are doing fun stuff. I like fun stuff. Hire me. Mm-hmm. That does not, that that gets ignored, unfortunately. And there's so many nice, great people that reach out. Unfortunately, a lot of people get referred to me and then that's their approach. Hey, to give you kind of a quick real story on, on my background, the reason I got the dot tops was because I created my own magazine at Penn State and as a journalism major. And I didn't learn how to write. I learned how to create something. I learned how to build a product. I learned how to sit in the computer lab at Penn State until the sun came up, moving the indentation and margins around. And I built pride into my own product. And then I built, I learned sales to be able to go to the alumni board or whoever I had to, the student board and say, can you give us a thousand dollars to print these so we can put them around the dorm? I built a business and I learned a ton there. That got me the job at Tops for entry-level pennies. At Tops, instead of doing my day job, I then stayed after and I said to the CMO at the time, I'm passionately interested in marketing. Can I learn from you? Here's the things I'll do. He let me hang around. After a year, Roger Clemens came in and his agent was hiring at Hendricks. And who do you think they're going to recommend? All the guys that do work from 8.30 to 4.30 on the dot and leave and or the guy that's sticking around volunteering his time to learn about marketing and doing above and beyond. And so that's a, uh, that makes me sound so conceited to even tell that story sometimes, no, but I, it's honest. It, that's yeah, and, and that, like, I don't, 
I don't do it now. I work until midnight now because I have to, to get things done. Yeah. I didn't have to then, but that initiative is just something that helped me. And the folks that reach out with the seven paragraph, I played lacrosse in high school. I don't care that you played lacrosse. How does that help me? But Hey, I have this idea or I have this research. Everyone says, well, Gary says to take my shot. Yeah. His, the shot is to provide value. A good shot. The reason that Gary is so beloved is that he's given away free value for 12 years. He doesn't ask for anything in return. Now he gets your, you to follow him. And a lot of people do, but Gary's never asked for anything. And so I think that's the part of the equation that a lot of folks that reach out to me are missing is that they're asking, just hire me right off the spot for, as opposed to why would we want you to be a partner in our business? Why would, what would we, you help us build and where would that help us on our path to success? Okay, we're going to stick with the aggressive theme for now. My guy, Zach Moritas, CEO and founder of Teamworks, which is the athlete engagement platform that is really just amazing. They have deals across all sports that are just, they are organizing and running athletic departments with their tool. It's amazing. Zach was an offensive lineman at Duke. So you get two things there. You get the offensive lineman side and you get the Duke side. Super smart, passionate, and really fiery. <laughs> he has a rumble in his voice that makes you think he could beat me at Jeopardy and then throw me through a wall. <laughs> I kind of love it. I'm not going to lie to you. We're looking for people that are competitive. You know, I want people that care about the score, that want to win. You know, we're looking for people that are premium, that are high functioning. You know, doesn't necessarily need mean everybody we hire needs to have you know, been working in industry for 20 years, but we, we need to see that they have a really high ceiling to achieve. Um, you know, that there's a lot that they can bring. Are they going to make the organization better? Are they going to push the team around them? I think, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about is how do we make each hire better than the last? How are we constantly raising the bar with each hire? Um, humility is a big one for our organization. You know, when I say humility and we talk about people that are competitive, that are high functioning, we're looking for people that are confident, not arrogant. And I think there's, that's an important distinction. Mm -hmm. You know, people that are confident, they've done the work. They know they're going to win because they've done the work. People that are arrogant just think they're supposed to win, right? I think another one that we look for is strong attention to detail, right? Folks that see nuance, um, folks that are bothered when details are out of place, you know, you know, interview tactic, leave a piece of paper on the floor where they're going to sit in the waiting room and see if they pick up the piece of paper. Does it bother them that there's a scrap of paper sitting in front of them? Like, are they going to, you know, they're not going to leave it for somebody else to take care of. They got to pick that thing up and throw it out. I think at the stage that we're at and really any stage of a startup, but particularly where we're at, we're looking for folks that are obviously problem solvers, but really system builders. So not just folks that are you know, folk, they might pick up that piece of paper, but then they might say, well, how is it that that piece of paper got left here? And do we need to have a vacuuming schedule that happens every day? And who's going to carry that out so that we never have a piece of paper sitting in the lobby when somebody's waiting to interview again? And then I think the last one is just a bias towards action. We want people that, again, same thing, like they see a problem and they want to attack it. I mean, it's the question you asked me earlier, you know, why did I feel that I could solve the problem? I I don't know that I meditated on it so much as it was like, there's a problem here. We got to fucking get after it. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Yes, Zach. Let's F and go. That guy gets me so fired up. Lots to digest there. But when Zach talks about seeking competitors, like he wants to hire people who are competitive, I want to specify what that means. Actually, I want Kara Lawson to do it for me. Kara Lawson is the head women's basketball coach at Duke. 
and she's a former WNBA star. She was an assistant coach with the Celtics, and she's got a lot of fire in her too. She has a video that she pushed out on YouTube about the difference between hard work and competing. And she basically, she's addressing her team, and she says, if I take you, one of my players, and I put you on the end line, and I give you a certain time, and say, start running sprints, you will work hard. You will sweat. And it's hard, right? So I can force you to work hard. You will be tired afterwards. I gave you a job to do and a certain time frame to do it. It's hard work. We deal with that every day. Working hard is something that a lot of people do, right? Millions of people do every day. Billions of people do every day around the world. Billions of people work hard in whatever job they do. But if I take three of you and put you on the end line and say, go, do you run differently? Do you compete? Do you push yourself to beat that other person next to you? That's being competitive. And that's the difference from hard work. A lot of players at the end of a practice, at the end of a game, they'll talk to their parents, they'll talk to their teammates and say, hey, V, did you work hard today? And you're like, yeah, coach, I worked hard today. That's good. But did you compete? So when Zach's talking about wanting competitive people, that's what he's talking about. Do you want to beat everybody else? Ah, love that stuff. So at the end of every session that we have, that's the question you're asking yourself. Did I compete today? Because that's different than working hard. It's different. Okay, competitive, driven, high ceiling, all things Zach was talking about. That's what employers want to hire. But what about you? What do you need to do? According to Emily Karen, sports business reporter for Sportico, it starts with being your own advocate. The concept of just keeping your head down and working hard is kind of a myth. I think especially when you work in an industry where you are not the majority, you have to speak up for yourself and you have to advocate for yourself and you have to be your own champion and you have to find allies and find people who will also advocate for you. I think you do need to do the work you need to you know, be willing to put in the time, the effort, the energy. But I, I get frustrated with that concept of like, just keep your head down and grind and like your yeah. work will be appreciated because that's not always the case. And so I really would just encourage anyone who gets into the industry to just be your own advocate because that I think is actually how things get done. You have to be willing to speak up for yourself and stand up for yourself and for your work. Emily is in the first initial stages of her sports career. She only graduated from University of Virginia in 2019, and she's already identified this really important principle of being your own advocate. Emily's super smart, somebody I really enjoyed interviewing for this show. And she's not alone in this concept. Michelle Andres, who is the Baltimore Ravens Senior VP of Ravens Media, she's been in the industry for 20 years, and she really echoes Emily's sentiments. Two things. One, be good at your skill. And, and second, how do I, how do I word it? Advocate for yourself, I guess is what I would say, because no one else is really going to advocate for you. You know, there was a period where I sort of felt invisible in the organization. And I finally was like, you know, wake up, Michelle, you have to do this for you. You have to say, I'm not going to be invisible anymore. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go do this, this, and this in order to raise my profile, whether it was internally, externally in the community, whatever it was. So be your own advocate. And that's, you know, it's hard for a lot of people. It's hard for a lot of women, I think, to do that. But learn from me, do it sooner rather than later, you know, because it, it, it only benefits you ultimately. Just to hammer the point home, 
Here's John Ferguson, chief people officer at NASCAR. Closed mouths do not get fed. You have <laughs> to speak up. And that goes to once you're in the job for your professional development. You should yeah. constantly be speaking into where you see yourself going. More from John, who's one of my all-time favorites in a little bit. So let's transition now to the tactics. It's really smart to advocate for yourself. But that happens when you are in the job and in the industry. How about getting there? Allison Bickford is a senior director of corporate partnership activation for the Seattle Kraken. And after my interview with her earlier this year, she sent me a Kraken beanie and a t-shirt, which I love. I mean, who doesn't like getting gifts from your guests? It's pretty cool, right? I wear it all the time. Allison recounts her days as a student at UNH, University of New Hampshire, when she didn't really know what she wanted or how to get there, but she put the work in to learn. I probably couldn't even told you what event activation was uh, when I was at UNH before I started doing it at Genesco. But what I challenged myself to do was read as much um, when you think of like the sports business journals, the event marketers, all these industry publications. And every time I found a company name that I didn't know, I'd go look up what they did. Because if anything, you're broadening the places that might hire you. But that's how that I found so <laughs> event activation. You know, I, at the time, I didn't know that all these huge businesses and these brands had sports departments inside their companies. Like, it's Coors Light has an entire, like, sports and entertainment team. So, you know, when you realize that, it just incredibly broadens uh, the perspective of what the industry is, um, but also forces you to find that niche um, that you're interested in, which is not something that I was prepared for uh, necessarily, but certainly felt like I had all the right tools and probably what I mentioned earlier in terms of networking and thinking that my life revolved around going to every career fair that came through town uh, when in fact uh, it's more about who you might already know um, and, and those relationships. Relationships, networking, people who can speak on your behalf, guide you, answer questions and supplement your own advocacy. That's the dream, right? Building this network that really helps you grow. It takes hard work, it's not just add water. It won't result in instantaneous results right overnight. And it also takes a plan. Want to hear a pretty solid networking plan? Here's my guy, John Ferguson. To work in sports and in a lot of different industries, you can't be a passive candidate. I think you want to be intentional. We're trying to make connections. Um, and I think we have such a valuable tool with LinkedIn and having access. So I tell people to try to use technology and work smart. So one tip I would tell any entry-level professional, any college student, you know, when you're sending that initial LinkedIn request, don't just leave it at the default whatever. I want you to personalize that message because for me, I don't add people on my LinkedIn network unless I know you or there's some sort of mutual connection there. So I may speak at different uh, universities or networking events. In that message, if you're connecting with me or if you want to connect with Brian, say, you know, if I was going to send you a message and we didn't yep. know each other, I would say, hey, Brian, I have become a huge fan of your podcast, Work in Sports. I've shared it with all of my, my friends. Uh, yep. We are total fans. I'd love to connect with you to, to watch what you're doing closer um, and, and be with, totally welcome the opportunity to speak with you directly should time permit. That is compelling. It I want is. to connect with you. I yeah. want to learn more about you. And so I tell anyone, if we've met, yes, we have met. But networking to me is a process of relationship building. So now you've been added to my LinkedIn. Then 
you should totally go for it. Hey, I'd love to do a quick informational interview with you, 15, 20 minutes. If, if your time permits, I have a couple questions about my resume um, and to learn a little bit more about your background. Now, then the next step is to follow up because while I want to meet with a lot of people and, and share and, 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 and give them advice that I wish I would have had at that age, yeah. there's only so many hours in a day. So I, I do encourage the follow-up. And I remember as a, as a, my first job, I remember I think I was working at the grocery store and I called my mom and I said, well, hey, I applied. And I was like, should I call and see if they got the res resume or like anything? She was like, no, you know, my mom's old school. She's like, no, if, if you get the job, they'll call you. And yeah. I'm like, and I'm kind of like, well, I think I should call and just add a little personality to it. She's like, no, but I went ahead and called. Yeah. So the old school of my mom's generation, like you applied, you stop right there. Those days are long gone. I want you to apply and I want you to figure out how can I build a connection internally to at least try to get my resume elevated to the top of the pile or at least in the hands of the right person. So LinkedIn is a powerful tool. And then I think another step with the LinkedIn is post. Just like you curate your Instagram, mm -hmm. just like you curate uh, whatever social media platforms you have, you have a brand on your LinkedIn platform. Now, it should be much more conservative. It should be much more professional. <laughs> uh, but I think you have an opportunity to stay on someone's feed, which then subconsciously keeps you on someone's radar, yes. which then subconsciously allows them to think of you when the right opportunity comes up and they might have had a conversation with you six months ago. But then they say, oh, Brian, just we have a job. This would be perfect for Brian. Hey, yeah. Brian, just saw your post. Uh, hope everything's well. Check out this job here. Let's chat. Do you have people in your life that as soon as you hear their voice, you smile? Like just the sound of their voice brings something to you? That is Kelly Franklin for me. She's a senior vice president and head of recruiting and talent acquisition at Overtime Elite. Well, the first time I interviewed her, she was the VP of human resources for NYCFC. I have then interviewed her again since she's been with Overtime Elite because she's one of my all-time favorites. She's passionate, she's supportive, she's opinionated, and I don't mean that in a bad way. She's willing to state what she really believes, and I think that is really important. Not to just talk in generics, to really get into specifics and say, no, this is what's happening in the world, and this is what we need to do. I love that about her. She's a straight shooter that I could listen to all day long. And she advocates for really knowing who you are in today's marketplace and your unique differentiators. Well, that's just one of the things she pushes for. There's a lot in this bite. There's a lot that she's saying. So sharpen your pencil, get ready to take some notes because Callie's talking and you should listen. Being passionate is a characteristic that cannot be created. So it's something that we look for. Now, mind you, everyone's not going to be passionate in how they communicate. Everyone's not going to be passionate, you know, necessarily for soccer. But what we're looking for is that burning in the belly. What, what is it in your life that you are passionate about? It could be family. It could be cooking. It could be animals. It could be poetry. But when you are in an interview setting, it's important for you to show up as a person. A lot of times entry level roles, when we're doing interviews for those entry positions, people show up trying to be what we want them to be, what they think we want them to be. And it comes across as robotic and unauthentic. So what I encourage each person considering, not just in the sporting world, is identify who you are. What makes you different from your friends? What makes you different from your siblings? 
and own and, and possess that and think about how that can make an organization, a department or a team. Maybe you haven't worked in the professional environment for very long. But if you put me on a team, this is what I can bring to that team. It's not I'm a sports fan. It's not I, you know, I'm always a leader. I'm very smart. Those aren't the things that are going to make that team better. What makes that team better is, you know, I'm good at problem solving. When people argue, I have a way of of kind of moderating and helping us focus on a goal. When we're in a team environment, I'm pretty creative. These are just the different voices I'm giving you. I'm structured and organized. So on a team, I help keep us on task. So imagine yourself joining said team. Don't make it necessarily the the company you're, you're interviewing for. But if you're joining a team, what do you bring to any group? And I would start with that. We all like to hire learners. I I heard from, I can't remember her last name, Misty. She was a gold medalist um, volleyball player. Mm -hmm. And she said when she played sports back in high school, she played basketball. She's tall. She played basketball and she didn't begin playing volleyball until later. I think it was college. If not college, it might have been late high school. And she said the one compliment she always got was that she was coachable. And that's always resonated with me is the ability to be coachable will get you further than the best talent in the room. Identify who you are and what makes you special. That is how you stand out. That is how you make a market for yourself. And how do you make yourself special and unique? Experience. Here's Jason Lockenfora from CBS Sports. If you have something that's available to you, that you think you can benefit from in some quantifiable way through whatever they're going to pay you or non-quantifiable way, but you believe it could make you a better reporter, a better on-air talent, it could make you understand the industry better, it could even just maybe help you figure out what you do and don't want to do, or even if this is really cut out for you or not, or you're cut out for it, I would lean towards trying that. Even if you feel like you're not receiving your worth from this media entity that Lord knows what its profits are or, or, you know, whether it's local or national or whatever. I, I do feel like there's no substitute for experience. I have found that being willing to say yes, or at least I'll try it, has served me well. Now, I also had the ability to live in my parents' basement. You know what I mean? And I could do yep. things for less. Or I, I had the, like, I knew that I was going to be able to eat. You know what I mean? Like, I could go upstairs and, you know, go in the fridge and get something from mom or dad. And not everybody has that opportunity. I mean, I, again, we're, I'm not, we weren't rich by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, we were fine. So I get it. And, and I don't like that we're still in this era where, the, the idea of, of unpaid labor is a thing. Yeah, me too. But I also think that if you do focus on what is the end game from a financial standpoint, really early in the game, you may preclude yourself from, from getting where you ultimately could get both financially and in terms of being rewarded and, and fulfilled. I mean, I can remember being an unpaid intern at the Baltimore Sun. And they're like, you're going to go cover beach volleyball down at the inner Harbor. And I would 
act like they just told me I could go cover the Orioles game at Fenway Park. You know what yep. I mean? Like, it, yep. like you're going to cover team bowling out in Dundalk. What the hell is team bowling? I thought it was an individual sport. Well, I better figure out what team bowling is. And I'm going to, you know what I mean? I'm going to put my heart and soul on this moment. Into those yeah. five paragraphs that I get on the agate page. Yep. Like I, I, I you know, so I, I think it's, it's about sort of having some self-awareness, understanding where you are in the pantheon of things, how you could actually help them now to help yourself later. There are so many people I could pull from who I had the benefit of interviewing in 2021. Lexi Ross from the Memphis Grizzlies, Felicia Douglas from the New York Orleans Pelicans, Dr. Bill Sutton, Evan Parker, GM of the Athletic, Dan Heck from Auburn Athletics, Michele Rinchioso from Rock Nation. I think I actually said his name correct that time for the first time in so long. The advice is out there on our feed. It is right there for you. As I told you, we did 41 interviews this past year. We did another 41 Monday podcast where we answered fan questions. We have over 420 episodes of this show over the last three years. Every one of them is just as relevant today as it was the day it was published. We're talking about long-term trends, what you need to do to stand out, what people are looking for when they want to hire, what somebody experienced and how they broke in, what somebody's experienced once they've been on the job. These are things that last. So you can go back and listen to Lee Steinberg. You can go back and listen to Emily Jansen from the Reno Aces. You can go back and listen to any one of our guests over the years. Maylin Vu from the Cleveland Indians. We can go down the list. Sam Ray from the San Diego Padres. I can do this all day. We have a lot of great guests on the show. Go back and listen. Continue to learn. Continue to push yourself. Take notes on the things you need to do and take action. That is a thing that will make the difference for you in 2022. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Please share this with your network. We want to grow our audience in 2022 and keep delivering you amazing stories and insights. I appreciate each and every one of you. 